Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Holy fucking shit. You guys have no idea what we just went through uh, to get on the air today. First of all, uh, I'm Adam Sank. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are in a brand new studio. DNR Studios has moved. We're excited about that. But, and it's a huge but... Getting into this motherfucking building is like getting into Fort Knox. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you the hoops we just had to jump through, the codes, the keys, the cards, the prayers that were involved. We came as close as we've ever come to not getting on the air in time. But fortunately, we are here. And we're coming at you live if you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, May 15th, 2021 at dnrstudios.com. The only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. Where's my bell? <laughs> Thank you. This little blue bell is very do, very new and different. Um, okay. If you're listening live, call in and talk to us. We're a little frantic, but maybe you can calm us down. 804-825-5277. That's 804-TALK-ASS. You can call us anytime, even when we're not on the air. Uh, like the Facebook page, download the comedy albums, get your official ass merchandise, t-shirts, tank tops, mugs, even boobs for queens. The link to all that is adamsank.com. Our guest today is at making his ass debut, but he is a legendary gay comedian. I don't know why it's taken me four years to get him on the show, but he's here. His name is Jim David. We'll be talking to him a little later. But first, it's time to welcome the man whose smile lights up the world and whose hygiene makes them cover their noses. Please welcome <laughs> Ryan Frostig, my delectable co-host. Hello. Ooh, the applause is going insane! Oh my for god, you everyone, today. calm down, calm down. Ryan uh, just came from Barry's boot camp where he had a. I did, and I am still fully like in a haze. So uh, you, you and Cam have been um, hustling and bustling. I just moseyed on in, was given my bagel, given my rundown, and uh, contributed. I mean, you're nothing. a princess. I am. Your life, thank is, you, is pretty easy. Um, okay. And also, you look surprisingly good for someone who did a, a like a boot camp workout and then didn't shower. Yeah, True. thank you, thank, True. thank you, thank now, you, everyone. Uh, Ryan mentioned Cam. This is the first episode we've done in probably I don't know four years where JB was not in the studio. I know where is the fuckery. JB is moving this weekend Yay. finally to his luxury apartment. Luxury, darling. Luxury. I couldn't be happier for him. But so we are welcoming someone that I never met until today. The adorable Cam is here Hi, Cam. producing the show. Welcome. Hello. New Cam. new studio, new bagels, yeah, new, new, studio, producer. new, bagel, new Cam producer. Cam had to MacGyver uh, our way into this building. You have if you hadn't been here with me I would say today I was the king of troubleshooting. You really were. Congratulations. <laughs> here, here, King Cam. Cam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you are you, are you a heterosexual man? I am a straight man. I had a sense. But I consider myself to be gender fluid in certain situations. Oh, I love that. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, definitely straight. Um, I'm from Phoenix. Okay. I've, I came to New York City in 2019, so I only got a little bit of pre-pandemic New oh, York man. City. Oh, no. Um, but honestly, this is the first session that I'm doing back live in the studio. So oh, yeah, Awesome. So I very cool about Fabulous. it. Fabulous. And yeah. how old are you, Cam? I'm 25 on Monday. Adorable. Uh, yeah. And quarter of a century. Happy almost birthday. <laughs> Thank you so much. See, Ryan, you're getting to the age now where you're not the youngest I know, person in the Adam. room anymore. I know. How does it feel? <laughs> it feels... 
blank. How does it feel? Fill in the blank. Well, welcome. I met you when I was 25. I know. I remember you were an actual child. And now I am pushing 30. Pushing hard from what I hear. Mm. (laughs) This bell is so unsatisfying. Where's the real shade bell? I is this, a, love is that this like a new blue. DNR product know, that they're selling? That's Derek's bell. That's <laughs> the bell that Derek chooses to use. No, not normally. Really? Normally we use uh, it's like a the same silver bell. bell, right? Yeah, this one's silver blue and it says bell. shade on it, but it doesn't have a very resonant ring. Shade. 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 Anyway, uh, okay, let's, uh, well, welcome Cam and thank you once again for being here and for uh, getting this motherfucker yes. on the air. Uh, let's do recommended viewing really quickly. I will start. I came across this uh, little docu-series on Netflix called Warn Stories. That's W-O-R-N. And it's very interesting. It's just everyday people telling stories about themselves and their lives. And the only common thread is that they, they each revolve around a piece of clothing that is significant to them for some reason. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a very gentle kind of sweet if you just want to mellow out maybe do a bong hit it's it, it it really doesn't challenge you very much but it's it's a very sort of lovely humane series and they make great use of animation puppets they do there's all these different techniques for the storytelling my favorite one so far was the woman who went on the uh, went out for a night with her cousin and lost her favorite coat and then they went on this adventure that took them throughout the night to get the coat back and it's so funny and the animation that they use to tell the story is hilarious. Each episode is completely different. They, they really have almost nothing in common except that they're all about clothing. I like shows like I that. I love that. That's good. So yeah. check out Warren Stories. Cam, do you have any uh, viewing you'd recommend to our listeners? Um, I just recently saw, I think it's called Nomadland. Mm. Uh, I Loved recently it. watched that. It was, it was really good. I thought it was kind of sh- really showcased like what it would be like to have that lifestyle. And it, I really didn't know that that many people were a part of that community. Me neither. You know? Won the Academy Award yeah. for Best Picture and Best Actress and Best Director, I believe. And um, Does Frances McDormand ever lose she the Oscar? Lose. <laughs> she never loses. Yeah, I hear the book is better because the book is nonfiction, okay. whereas this was a, a fictionalized version. However... All of those people you saw on the screen, other than Francis McDormand, were basically playing themselves. Oh, that's mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah, because I looked up, uh, I don't remember that his dude? name, the, old, the yeah. older man, and he was real. He's I real. I was like, wow, that was He insane. leads this, this nomad movement, so it is a great film. How Not everyone cool. loves it, but I loved it. Ryan, recommended viewing from you. So <clears throat> I would like to recommend a um, new late-night half-hour talk show on Showtime called Z-Way. Mm. Are you familiar with Z-Way, Fumudo? No. So Z-Way is um, a comedian. She's millennial. She's very much in like the Zach Zimmerman, Bowen Yang kind of crew of comedians. And she has a new show on, on uh, Showtime. And she kind of um, uh, last summer when all of the um, Black Lives Matter conversations were happening, she was doing these lives where she would interview problematic people and ask them these questions like, um, name five black people in your life. Or she would ask questions like in in the show, um, which has like sketches and like is a little bit more, um, you know, uh, fully realized. Um, She interviews Fran Leibowitz and she asks Fran, um, what is worse, slow walkers or racism? (laughs) And what does Fran say? Well, she she as a white woman, of course, she says, um, well, you can't you can't compare the two. And she says, slow, walker, slow walkers are, are um, worse for me. And so, and it's just one of those things where it kind of exposes that sort of like white. Privilege. Yeah. Um, How do you spell Z-Way? Z-I-W-E. Okay. Um, she's hilarious. I think you would think, I think it's really funny. She, she also does musical numbers. Like it's really, really well done. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely check that out. Thank you both for that. We will jump right into, oh, wait, there's something else I wanted to say. Oh, if you're a DNR Studio subscriber, and you should be, uh, you may have had trouble listening to the episode we did a couple weeks ago with Aaron Berg, the controversial right-wing Trump-supporting comedian. Not to be confused with Aaron Burr. Not to be confused with Aaron Burr. Derek made that joke many times when I co-hosted with him the other day. It's Berg, B-E-R-G. Anyway, there was something wrong with the episode, and every time you tried to listen to it using the DNR app or the website, it just, like, your phone blew up. So... 
JB did whatever needed to be done. It's fixed now. Go back and listen to it. It's I've gotten a lot of feedback on that episode from our regular listeners who say they really enjoyed the fact that I had someone on who had such diametrically opposed views to mine, but we didn't get into like a screaming match. We just kind of stayed calm and I let him spew his bullshit. And then at the end, I was like, here's what I really think about you and these views. It was um, such an interesting interview because <clears throat> I usually, especially since we've been doing phoners mostly. You I, tune out. I, I tune out. But in this case, it was like I wasn't tuned out, but I didn't feel like I could really say anything. So I was just reacting to everything that was being said by him. And, you know, as always, you handled it masterfully. But it was just like it was we're just not used to hearing those kind of opinions on this show. So it was, it was, I think, uh, a nice interview to throw into the mix. Thank you. So check it out if you had any trouble listening to it. And, of course, if you're not a DNR subscriber, uh, it's available on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. By the way, leave me some goddamn reviews. I did get a couple new ones over the past few weeks. Whenever I get one, I post it on Facebook uh, to thank the people publicly. Um, and I was thinking maybe we could start a new segment like Review of the Week and then give some kind of prize. But – who knows? Our listeners are so lazy. I, You're really a bunch I of lazy you guys. Cunts. I feel you. No offense. <laughs> no offense. Keep listening, but you're lazy as fuck. Shut up, cunt! All right, so speaking of which, um, we're going to start the show with a story that I didn't think was so exciting, but it got a lot of attention on the Adam Sank Show Facebook page, and that is that Ellen DeGeneres will end her show after season 19. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Shall we sing the Ellen bumper? Cam's never heard it. You're, You're a mean one, Ellen DeG. You're, You're a privileged, privileged talk show host. You have staples in your pussy and your heart is made of poo, Ellen DeG. Ellen DeGeneres, the uh, most recognizable face on daytime, has decided that her upcoming season which is the show's 19th, will be the last. DeGeneres uh, said that uh, it's been several years in the making, this decision. She informed her staff May 11th, and we'll sit down with longtime pal and daytime predecessor Oprah Winfrey to discuss the news on the May 13th show, which has already happened. So <laughs> this story is now in the past. But I'm sure you can find clips of it if you're interested. Ellen claimed, quote, when you're a creative person, you constantly need to be challenged. And as great as this show is, and as fun as it is, it's just not challenging anymore. A lot of people thought that was total bullshit. It is. And thought that the real reason is because she's hemorrhaged viewers ever since uh, reports of a toxic work environment, uh, racist work environment, all kinds of things came out. And she had to do a big reshuffle and an apology. Um, so later in the week, she sat down with Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show. And Guthrie asked her point blank – if, you know, she really was ending the show because of all this stuff and Ellen said no. And then Guthrie asked her if she felt like she was being canceled, <laughs> as in the cultural sense of being canceled. And Ellen said, I mean, I really don't understand it. I still don't understand it. It was too orchestrated. It was too coordinated. And, you know, people get picked on, but for four months straight for me and then for me to read in the press about a toxic work environment when all I have ever heard from every guest that comes on the show is what a happy atmosphere this is and what a happy place it is. She doesn't seem to get, even now, that celebrity guests do not have a good sense of what's going on yeah. behind the scenes. Oh, my God. I, I have so many thoughts. I don't even know where to begin. She's really <clears> – I mean, she's such a smart – funny creative person but she seems to be missing like a chip in her brain yeah that allows for empathy it's, as it, much as she tr tries to be an empathetic person so i watched that interview you because did. i watched the today show every morning and i just felt like it was such a cringy like i, I got the sense that she really feels like she like she did, didn't have any idea she she feels it's very like aloof you know she was like i wish someone would have told me it's like right why didn't anyone tell me this was right like bad work and the, the whole thing about like you know celebrities saying it's you can't gauge whether or not your work environment is toxic or not based on the celebrity guess of course like the people that work for you are not going to like expose their feelings about i don't know it just the whole thing just made me feel uh very very weird but i also have to say that like 
How long did when uh, when did Oprah end her show? Like, how many years did did she have her talk show? Was it 20, she had it for twenty five years. Twenty five years. Listen, nineteen seasons is a long run. Yeah. Uh, whether e- even if this whole situation hadn't happened, I, I would say that it it was probably time for the show to wrap anyway. Yes. I mean, I, I don't. And the 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 whole bit about you know being challenged. I mean, that is that bullshit. bullshit. But I do like, kind of... Like, oh, season 15 was challenging, but season 18 isn't? Yeah. Come on. I just kind of feel like, you know, the show has sort of played itself out. Now, I do have to say, and I know we have other stories to get to, but I, I've seen on Twitter a lot of people sort of, as Ellen is being torn down, uplifting Kelly Clarkson's show. And I love Kelly Clarkson. Yes. I really do love her. They're not the same. No. And Kelly Clarkson is not a comedian. No, and and it's always a mistake to think that because someone is super talented in one area, they can do something in a completely different area. Yeah. Some can. Yeah. You know, Dolly Parton's a great actress but I think, as well as being a great singer. But most people who are great singers are just great singers. Right. And I think that what made Ellen's show so great was that, you know, she is a comedian. She is a hilarious person. She is... She knows how to work a crowd. Exactly. And uh, this, yeah, being a stand-up, like she knows how to work a crowd. And I just feel like I, I, I definitely feel that Kelly is going to take on that sort of like. They're going to try. They're, they're going to try. to make Kelly the next Ellen. And Kelly does have that relatability yeah. to the Midwestern moms who watch definitely. Ellen. But listen, I just want to say this. Ellen was on the air for all these years without a single complaint coming forward from anyone. So I do give her a little bit of I, I do give a little bit of credence to the idea that this was a coordinated attack. Somebody said we are going to get her. Yeah. And and organized a a revolt. That's not to say that it wasn't a toxic work environment that there weren't real problems, but if she were a monster, mm-hmm. we would have heard about it before now. I think that probably her biggest failing has just been being out of touch mm-hmm. with her staff and not bothering to even know what was going on because because no one said that she was a bitch to them or that she was abusive to them it was all that it, that there was an abusive culture within the organization so i do think some of this is probably exaggerated and, and there's I, some misogyny and there were so there's definitely misogyny there's homophobia and some of the people on my facebook page were like good riddance bitch and i'm like really what it's did not, ellen ever do for, yeah. to us i mean like she's she's been a pretty great representative of our community and Yes, she's a rich white woman, and yes, she's clearly got blind spots. But like, let's not make Ellen DeGeneres the enemy. The you know, last thing, she's I, not the enemy. The last thing I have to say, and I've said this before, this all started because of Dakota Johnson. Mm-hmm. This all started because she said, "Ellen, that's not true about the whole being invited to the Christmas party or whatever." And to me, that is the most hilarious part. That like. This whole movement of removing Ellen from, uh, you know, the daytime talk show circuit started with like just a random well, celebrity. Well, it's great interview. that Dakota Johnson is known for that because she's certainly never going to be known for her acting ability. <laughs> Thank you. T. Shade. The other big story this week is that Colton the Bachelor oh. re- revealed some new things. This is Colton Underwood, the former Bachelor contestant, I guess you call him, who came out as gay to Robin Roberts. I think we talked about this two weeks ago. Well, he gave a sprawling interview to, fuck, was it Variety? And now I can't even find out. I think it was Variety. Variety or Hollywood Reporter, one of those. And he revealed that sometime last year, before he came out, he secretly visited what he calls a gay spa in Los Angeles, quote, just to look. Now, first of all, a gay spa is a bathhouse. bathhouse. Uh, He didn't go just to look because nobody does. He went to get his dick sucked. Or to suck a dick. Hmm. Or both. But in any case, while he was there, someone spotted him, took naked pictures of him, which, by the way, if you're naked, you're not just looking. Thank you. Uh, Hmm. And then threatened to blackmail him. Damn. Which is shitty, by the way. Of course. It's really Completely shitty. I could terrible. see, listen, if I saw Aaron Shock at a bathhouse before he came out, I would absolutely take pictures and yeah, send them to the media. Him. I wouldn't black, blackmail is illegal. I wouldn't do that to right. anyone. But fucking Aaron Shock voted in favor of a constitutional amendment to ban marriage equality. Right. So he deserves it. Colton may be a douchebag, 
but he still deserves privacy. Yeah. And it's really, really fucked up to threaten to out someone um, except in those very special circumstances where they've actively worked against the LGBTQ community and then I'm in favor of it. But anyway, uh, so he says that the blackmailing actually led to a positive because he forwarded this email from this anonymous person saying, I have these nude pictures of you to his publicist. Um, and then that forced him and the publicist to have an honest conversation. So really the publicist was the first person that Colton spoke to about being gay. Um, he does say, because there's all this speculation now, well, is he was he really a virgin? Because that was a big thing on the show, that he was the right. virgin bachelor. He says, I was a virgin with women. He says he had fooled around with guys prior to being on The Bachelor. Um, he was on Grindr in 2016 or 2017, he said. He goes, when I say hookups, no, I don't mean sex. I want to make very clear that I did not have sex with a man. So... I don't know what he calls sex. I guess like butt fucking. He didn't mm. have butt fucking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would you agree, Cam? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But anywho, uh, so yes, he was a virgin, technically speaking. And then they also touched on these allegations that he stalked and or uh, harassed his fiance, girlfriend, whoever she was, the woman that he chose. Oh, it was Variety. Variety was the uh, publication. Um, her name, once again, is Cassie Randolph. And so she sought a restraining order against him at the time. This was all around the time of the bathhouse incident, oh which, by God. the way, he says last year. So not only did he go to a bathhouse, he went to a bathhouse during COVID. I just want to Wait, point that so, out. <laughs> so was he the bachelor in 2020? No, he was the bachelor a few years back. Okay. Uh, but then they stayed together. This is so crazy. I can't keep up with this story. Okay, hold on. Oh, my goodness. The reality star did speak about Randolph, Cassie Randolph, and the troubling allegations, including that he put a tracking device on her car and harassed her family. She dropped the restraining order this past November after they made, it, made a private agreement. Colton says, quote, I did not physically touch or abuse Cassie in any way, shape, or form. He said he can only ad uh, generally address this situation due to the agreement that the two of them have. He admitted that when Randolph dumped him, it left him in a dark place because he realized it would be his last straight relationship. He described himself as being a miserable person living as a shell of a human being and always looking for somebody to blame. His behavior toward her and her family, quote, is not who I am as a human being and it's not how I carry myself. If there was anything I could do to take more ownership, I would, but also out of respect to her, I don't want to get into any more details. But here's the part that really struck me as fucked up. Oh, After boy. they broke up, they started filming a reality show together. Oh my God. About their split and about trying to become friends. This was going to be the Netflix show. But then he oh. got blackmailed. He got blackmailed and came out to his publicist, and suddenly the Netflix show became about Colton coming out. Oh, my God. So I have to say, the fact that Cassie was willing to film another show with him means that you have to take her allegations with a grain of salt. She clearly wasn't afraid of this man. I, this whole story... It's fucking crazy! It's cr I cannot... I. I, I just I Ryan just is stunned. I, I am I'm I'm gooped. I, I don't have I can't I can't I can't form a full thought because we, and we talked about this last time uh, we we did the Colton story. First of all, anyone named Colton is hot is a fag. Just hot. just <laughs> point blank period. I met, a, I met when I was on vacation last week. I met a Coulter from Los Angeles. Coulter and he was ridiculously hot. Yeah, Coulter, if you're listening. If you, you are listening, Coulter. Holla. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, Coulter reminds me of Ann Coulter. It's oh. not a great association, oh. but he was hot. I just feel like I can't. I I I have empathy for him as far as like the blackmailing situation coming out in general is very hard. But I can't really shake this feeling of like this is someone that just wants notoriety. This is someone that wants a television a show. Whore. This is so, yeah, They're all fame whore. and. It just, it's hard for me to, I mean, you know, there's nothing here that's like disturbing to me, although I think the, the tracking device is a little bit. Oh yeah. But, but it's just, it's just like, 
it's a headache. Well, the fact it's that he, the fact that he flipped out when she dumped him, rather than being like, "Well, this is okay because I'm gay." Like, yeah, that, and I I identify with that. I really do. I remember being in high school. I was so in love with this girl, Stephanie Levin, mm. uh, who was like a friend, but she was like. She just was so beautiful to me, and I was, and we like made out one night. Like we were never dating, we were mm-hmm. never boyfriend girlfriend. We just like got drunk at a party and made out. And I became obsessed with her, mm. and I tried for so long to get her to like be with me. And when she finally was like, "It's never gonna happen," I remember weeping for mm. hours on the phone to my friend James. And it's crazy to think that I was as gay then as I am now. But yeah. there was a part of me that was like. This, this is it. This is my last – like I get that yeah. sense of like this is my last chance. Now, I did not stalk her, right. put a tracking device on her car. Or it's the tracking to, device for yeah. me. It's the tracking device. I just – what? You know, Mo- moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, here's a story that made headlines around the world, and almost all the headlines were inaccurate. Hmm. It was Queen Elizabeth declares ban on conversion therapy. Yes, Queen! <laughs> Literally. And – she technically did, but the queen doesn't make policy in the mm. United Kingdom. Yeah. The queen is the head of state, but she only speaks for the government, which is led by the prime minister. Right. Um, technically, it's her government, but the prime minister sets policy. So it's actually Boris Johnson, who's like the Trump of England. Um, his uh, administration has finally sort of reluctantly – agreed to work toward a ban on LGBTQ conversion therapy in the United Kingdom. Um, And the Queen every year opens Parliament by delivering a speech that spells out what the Prime Minister's goals are. And so that's what happened. She said to the House of Lords, Measures will be brought forward to address racial and ethnic disparities and ban conversion therapy. That's my Queen Elizabeth Dialect needs some work. What did you think, Cam? Do I sound like her? Six, you can be honest, Cam. Six out of ten. How dare you? Six out of ten. <laughs> How <laughs> fucking oh, dare four. you? Oh. Cam, you're fired. <laughs> Bring back J.B. Um, as Prime Minister, Boris Johnson has had difficulty enacting a ban. His equalities advisor, Jane Ozan, and two other members of the government's LGBT advisory panel resigned in part because of the glacial pace that it was taking toward enacting a ban. Today, uh, not today, whatever day this came out, that woman, Jane Ozan, told the news, whilst I warmly, whilst, whilst I warmly welcome the news that there is finally to be a ban, I am concerned that we are going to have yet more consultation. Anyway, the point is, uh, England is moving toward a ban on conversion therapy, which is a great thing. And here in this country... President Biden, whom I voted for, has prohibited health care discrimination against LGBTQ people. Thank you. This reverses a Trump policy. Uh, under the new policy, the Department of Health and Human Services will once again prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender, gender identity by health care organizations that receive federal funding. The move will reverse a policy adopted under Trump that said anti-discrimination provisions of the Affordable Care Act did not apply to trans people. This is one of the many attacks that the Trump-Pence administration made on trans Americans. President Biden in a speech said to all transgender Americans watching at home, especially young people, you're so brave. I want you to know your president has your back. Thank God. Yeah, it's really – I mean – I, I know, I know, you know, Biden and the administration, it, it, it's not all perfect. There's some policy stuff that people are not in agreement with, but he is on the right side of history with yes. this. And this is so with everything, major. With everything. With everything. His goals are all good goals. Yeah. They're all for the betterment of people. And it's like, if this is where we are at the beginning of this, you know, uh, this decade, in 2021 hopefully by the time we get to 2030 whoever the president is then can be even more progressive can be even more you know supportive of of our community and um and and yeah it's just it gives me hope 
2030, we're going to be in the middle of a presidential administration, but that's okay. Great. Anywho, um, okay, I want to skip a couple stories. I want to do, let's do the YouTube musician cam. Um, I don't have much information about this. It's just something I saw online that I wanted to share with you. And this is sort of an homage to the... Um, to Misha Iman? No, to, uh, you know her name. You always talk about Cardi B. Oh, Cardi to B. To Cardi B's coronavirus oh, yeah, rant yeah, yeah, yeah. that was set to music. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, is it the same person? No. So oh. this is some woman in uh, Austin, Texas, who uh, we only know as Karen. She's one of these anti-maskers. She mm-hmm. refused to wear a mask mm-hmm. while shopping. They kicked her out, and then she got arrested. But before she was arrested, she was ranting outside on the street. And someone filmed it, and then this um, this composer and musician, Matt Eisenstein, uh, set it to music and put it on YouTube. So here's what that sounded like. I am a woman of God. This is my right as much as it is yours. This is my land as much as it is yours. I did not sign up for this. I am a Christian woman of God. And you are not going to put your disgusting news on me that are false and not true. I will not have it. You understand that? I will not have it. I'm sick of being bullied. I'm sick of being lied to, and it's not going to happen anymore. Do you understand? The CDC just released... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love those. I love those videos. The best is... Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Oh, that's, what, that's her being arrested at the end. That is so good. Oh, my God. I love those. These people. They're I, so righteous. They're I so am sh- a woman of God. I mean, like, who says that? Uh, Ryan, let's do a quick uh, RuPaul's Drag Race update while we uh, while Cam gets our guest on the phone. Okay. Uh, now, I know Down Under is happening, but that's not what you want to yeah, talk Yeah, Down about. Under is happening. Um, Take it away, Ryan, and Shantae, you stay. Shantae, I will stay. Um, yeah, we're not going to talk about Down Under. There's just too many friends. I mean, because Spain is starting soon. I- I'm just going to wait. You can start your own podcast for all that. Right. So um, I'm just going to um, – I'd love to talk about a little um, – little uh tiff that went on within the uh the kingdom the queendom Mm -hmm. um so basically it goes as as follows monet exchange and bob the drag queen both uh new york city queens although they both live in la now they have a podcast called sibling rivalry and um since the beginning of the year they have um been doing a like a watch show where they watch drag race and then they review it and they are usually, you know, critiquing the, the outfits. And a lot of people online have been saying, well, Bob and Monet, are they really qualified to be critiquing uh, fashion? Because on their seasons, they didn't necessarily have the best looks. Um, but they are both winners of the show and they are drag queens. So I, I think they do. Anyway, they had said some stuff about Tamisha Aman and um, who, by the about way, her fashion. about her fashions. But, um, by the way, Bob wrote Tamisha's verse for her song, Arrogant. Um, oh, wow. So, she, so Bob is very supportive of Tamisha Amon. But Tamisha went on a, uh, an Instagram Live and basically um, called them out, called out the podcast, said it was really disrespectful. She's been in the industry, blah, 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 the whole thing. She said during this live that she is going to on tuesday the whatever day it was she said i'm gonna read monet exchange for filth you need to be on instagram live at this time i'm gonna read you and then it became on twitter and on instagram it was like tamisha tuesday tamisha tuesday tamisha tuesday and basically everyone's getting ready for this live where tamisha is apparently going to read monet exchange for you know beneath the dirt she gets on live 20 minutes late oh and then she announces the Tamisha Aman Network, um, which is going to exist on Instagram Live. Oh, my God. And it is going to cost $25 a month to be a member. So if you sign up for Good the Tamisha Aman Network, then you can access the... This read. This that's read. Be so the read so never devast- happened. Oh, my God. That is like what that's fucking crazy. Trump... That's what Trump did. Remember when he said he was going to finally address whether or not Barack Obama was born yeah, yeah, in the yeah. United States? And then he like yeah. did a plug for his hotels for a half hour. Yeah. And then at the end was like, he was born here. Goodbye. Now, yeah. she's a moron. Well, and, and, and it, I, don't, I can't really get into all of it because this, this, 
then started um, lots of different conversations about um, the way that black queens are treated. And it also started a conversation. But they're both black queens. Yeah, but like, because, you know, Willem and Alaska have race chaser um, and they have been critiquing and, you know, recapping for years now um, on their show. And so it's okay when they do it, but when Bob and Monet do it, it's exactly. not, it, it, they're, they're hating on Tamisha. The other thing though, is that yeah, Tamisha- we gotta get to our guest. Oh, okay. Tamisha um, also exposed that like the contract that WoW has on these queens now is like, they own them. It's 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 so much more, we'll, we'll get into that another time. But yeah, that's a story for next time. Yeah, but, but thank I you just, Ryan the drama. for very inside baseball drag drama. <laughs> thank you. And as always, I will say that people have too much time on their hands. Okay. okay. Our guest today is a legendary openly gay comedian whose endless list of TV credits include his own Comedy Central special. That's a big deal. He is a three-time Mac Award winner who's appeared in feature films and on Broadway, and his latest comedy album is called Gay Jokes for Straight Cruisers. Here's a taste of the album. The last time I was on this ship, I was talking about my husband. I've been married for six years legally, but we've been together for 30 years. And I was talking I was talking about my husband, and, and this woman went up to the front desk and she said, we didn't pay all this money to see a gay comedian. And the woman behind the counter said, yes, you did. turn your kids gay. That ship has sailed. <laughs> but half of this ship is gay anyway. <laughs> and did you see Mamma Mia? <laughs> A bunch of guys with no shirts on singing ABBA. <laughs> That's gay. <laughs> and please give a warm-ass welcome to the one and only Jim David. Welcome, Jim. Hey, Adam. How are you? Hey, Adam. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Our studio audience is going crazy for you. Oh, listen to those people. Listen to that recorded. <laughs> they sound just like your cruise ship audience. Right. Jim, you recorded this album on a cruise ship after the pandemic had begun. How did that happen? It, it was. It was the. It's the funniest thing. I. I did my last cruise last year. The first 12 days of March, and it was right at the beginning of the pandemic, and um, everybody was acting like, you know, we'll get through it, and no problem, and then all of a sudden, at the end of the cruise was when Trump pulled the European travel ban out of his ass without telling Europe. Right. And also, so all the people on the ship were freaking out that they wouldn't be able to get home. And uh, I came home on March the 13th. And then the next day is when it hit the fan at the airports and everybody freaked out. And then everything was closed down. And so all of a sudden, our lives ended. It was just the strangest it, time. It's like being remember? the last U.S. service member to leave Vietnam. Like, you came so close. Something, something like that on, on that helicopter. And, and, and did you get COVID? No. Because you know it had to have been on that ship. Could have been, yeah. I think there was an article, there was actually an article in the New York Times about a man from Brooklyn who decided, man, COVID's not that big a deal, and he went on that ship, and then he died. I couldn't tell you. I, could, I couldn't tell you. Um, so, but it was, I re you know, I record all my sets. Yes. I didn't intend to record an album. I read that. And what shocks me, first of all, is that you still record all your sets because you do stand up all you know all year round under normal circumstances. You have shows nightly. So, uh, what do you do with all those recordings? Do you listen to them all? I I listen to them all eventually, and I always record the sets because I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. Right. And and I you're a comedian, so you know. You know, we write on stage. Yes. And and that's one of the reasons why so many comedians have written so little in the last year is because 
I, you have to have an audience. Right. And you have to try out your material. And if the audience doesn't laugh at it, it doesn't work. Right. And there's no amount of screaming and hollering that you can do, you know, to, to, to satisfy that. You know what I mean? So you have to try out jokes for an audience on a regular basis. And so that's why I record all of my sets just to have a record. I don't keep the recordings. I eventually listen to them and get rid of them. Yeah. But if I said something brilliant, then I have to remember it. Right. Because I'm not going to remember it. But Jim, what are you using to record? Because not only is the quality of your set very good, but the quality of the audience sound is great. It sounds to me like the audience is mic'd. And I'm sure that wasn't the case. So how did you get such a, no, I just a clean a recording? portable Zoom recorder. I use a little, very high-quality little recorder that I take up on the stage and put on the table. That's it. Amazing. Now it can be told. This is not a high-tech. <laughs> I don't have an engineer. I don't have a you know studio. It's just, I mean, it's just me recording it with this nice little recorder digital recorder in a way it pisses me off that it's that the quality is as good as it is because i've spent a lot of money to record my comedy albums and the last time i did it we had to do we had to do the show over again because it didn't record well and you've got this you know little cheap machine that's that's uh, making album quality it's recording not cheap. it's not it's, oh, not, it's cheap. not cheap no no it's like a it's it costs them some bucks I can't remember how much, but it's not cheap. It's it's a very good recorder. Well, the album is but hilarious, I just, and I love I love the idea of an album recorded aboard a cruise ship because I don't know that I've ever well, heard of that before. Well, here's what happened. Here, yeah, here's what happened. I mean, I I did not listen to any of the recordings when I got home because I was in shock because all of a sudden our lives ended and we were forced to stay at home. We were going to the grocery store and getting our groceries and disinfecting our groceries when we got home. You know, yeah. it was like all of a sudden this. You were this here in New York for that. Everywhere. Yeah, I was in New York. And my neighborhood immediately turned into the walking dead. It was the weirdest thing. Mine I'm too. I'm so happy that now my neighborhood's getting back to normal. Yeah. And we went out to a restaurant last night and it was like nothing had ever happened. I know. It was like the restaurant was packed, and it was great. But last year at this time, it was weird. And so I didn't even think about those recordings that I made. I was just, I was more concentrated on, you know, living my life and what do I do and, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, my career was over, as, as was everyone's. And then I got a gig at a club med in Dominican Republic, the week after Thanksgiving, it was a COVID safe. Was that the Atlantis event. trip in Punta Cana? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. That's right. And they asked me to come and I went, Ooh. and then I went, okay, well, let me, let me get out of here. But I had not done my show in seven months. So I started listening to these recordings of what I made on the crossing. You know, the, the cruise that I did was a crossing from Florida to Spain hmm. and I listened to these recordings and I went, I think I've got another album here. If I release an album that was clearly recorded on a cruise ship, that would be fun. You know, that would be, that'd be a fun uh, thing because nobody ever releases an album they've recorded on a ship. No. And uh, I went, why not? And also this was kind of, I kind of did it out of revenge, Adam, because for years, a lot of people have been saying that comedians who work on cruise ships can't get work anywhere else. And I went, wait a minute. Yes, they can. And these ships are as good a gig as working at a comedy club in Austin, Texas. Absolutely. Or wherever. They're more challenging. You know, it's the same. They're, they're, more, they're challenging more challenging because you've got an audience that can sort of wander in and out as they please. They have other things going on. They have other activities. It, they didn't pay for your show specifically. They just paid for the cruise. So to keep, to get them to show up and to keep them there and keep them laughing is very challenging. Yeah, sure. And, and also the audience is from 18 to 95. <laughs> you know, it's, with, it's, with it's skewed, it's, skewed it's, more it toward the 95, I would bet. Audience. Jim, I, I want to... Sorry, go ahead. They're all from all over the world. I want to get into your origin story because I don't really know it. 
Um, when did you start doing stand-up, and how did you first find yourself doing it? Well, I was. I came to New York after college to be in the theater, and I was I was trying to be an actor or a director or whatever I could do. And it turned out that my first ten years in New York were basically spent finding who out who I was. It wasn't really spent acting. You know, I didn't really succeed as an actor. I got a few things. I got a few off-Broadway shows and stuff like that. But nothing was really clicking. And I wanted to try stand-up comedy, and I didn't know how. I thought, well, who am I up there? Am I Woody Allen? Am I Jonathan Winters? Am I, am I Jackie Mason? Am I Rodney Dangerfield? I don't know who I am. Right. And then I saw, I saw Roseanne Barr on The Tonight Show in 1986. That was her first Tonight Show. And just the way that she did it, she came out on the show and said, I never go no place, I never do nothing because I'm a housewife. I hate that term, I prefer domestic goddess. And just the way that she did it was so funny and so real. I went, oh, oh, I can go up on stage and be Jim. I don't have to be somebody else. Yeah, she really created so, a, a new kind of stand-up. Well, it was very good. It, and it cracked me up along alone watching it at night. You know what I mean? I just said, oh, my God, this woman is hilarious. And that's how to do stand-up. At least that's what, that's what it bragged for me. Yeah. And so I started doing open mics. And then I wrote material about my family and myself that was real and true. And... Then I was making my living at stand up within like eight months, which is because amazing. Back then, back then, all you had to do was go to the club and audition, and they either put you on the rotation on the schedule or they didn't. And I was really lucky to, right at the beginning, get passed at Catch a Rising Star and Comedy You and Dangerfields and the comic strip. That's not luck. That means you were really good. You don't pass it well, at I, all those clubs unless you've got something. I was good enough. I was a good enough MC, and I was good enough at talking to the audience, and so that's how it started. But Jim, and you, then I was making my living. You, uh, yeah. you were not out on stage for the first 12 years, right? Uh, about that, yeah. And... You know, I feel like you've always been a comedian who happens to be gay rather than a gay comedian. Like, you weren't part of that whole funny gay males thing that happened in the 90s. Was that a choice? No, I did not want to be, I didn't want to be identified as a gay comedian. I wanted to be identified as, the, as a comedian. Because, unfortunately, that's the way things were back then. Right now, it's really different. You know, there's a ton. There's There's literally dozens of openly gay comedians that are that are half my age you know i i'm in contact with them i've worked with them i yeah. know them. but back then it was a big deal i mean there was the first openly gay comedian to my knowledge was a woman named robin tyler and she was followed by a woman named kate clinton sure who's still around and doing and it then there was there then there was Bob Smith. Bob Smith, the late, great Bob Smith. The late, great Bob Smith. He passed a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And he was he was the first one to have an HBO special. And then I came along, and I was the first one to have a Comedy Central special. So it was very different back then. And back when I came out, it was fun, and the audience liked it, but a lot of club owners did not like it. Sure. And so I was I was thrown out of a lot of clubs because of it, you know, and uh, literally thrown I mean, out on the road. Well, not thrown out, but they just didn't book me again. Right. You know, because they, the club owners on the road figured out, well, why do we want a gay comedian entertaining our straight audience? If you had gone for 12 years without being open on stage, what made you decide, OK, and now I'm going to start telling talking about this part of myself? Uh, revenge. <laughs> I I was tired of hearing all these 
gay, all these regular comedians talk about their wives or their girlfriends. And I'm like, well, wait, I've had a relationship as better and longer than they have. Right. Why can't I talk about mine? mine? Mm -hmm. And so I, that's, that's the way I approached it. I approached it as a, a married gay guy, because at that point, even though we weren't legally married, like we are now, I felt like we were right. And so I said, let me talk about him and see what the reaction is. And to my surprise, when I finally did <coughs> openly gay material, the sky did not fall. The audience perked up, and all of a sudden, people were paying attention that had not paid attention before. Right. It enhanced your career. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, it it enhanced it. it in more ways than it wrecked it. That's I mean, amazing. there were some things that there were some things that all of a sudden you become. Yeah, well, he's the gay guy. And there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, but it also That's opens up a whole. It opens up a whole new uh, universe in which you can perform, like an Atlantis type vacation, like gay cruises, gay resorts, well, ga- well, gay pride like, events. Uh, also, Montre- the Montreal Comedy Festival finally booked me. Isn't that interesting? Because they said the 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 guy who runs the festival said, "Thank God you came out. Now I can book you." And <laughs> now I there's went, a reason. What? <laughs> you couldn't put me on a regular show, right? They said no, 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 because everybody look, look at the time. This is twenty years ago, and at least twenty years ago, and people were still. If you, I mean, it's it's amazing to contemplate, but twenty years ago, nobody could get married legally. You know, most of our rights were on the table, not in the law, right? You know, and so it was a different time, and. And me coming out on stage was a revolutionary act. Absolutely. And and when I did my Comedy Central special, I could the only publicity I could get was a little column in the Advocate, mm-hmm. which is a gay which was a gay magazine. Yes, still is. No people. Everybody else turned it down. You know, nobody else was interested. Now that's not the case at all. Nobody cares. Right. No one cares. Right. I feel like I feel like this the current wave of of gay of LGBTQ comics, whether they mention it on stage or not, it's kind of irrelevant. Like they're not they're not separated anymore into these groups. Um, Jim, we have to get to uh, the last part of the interview, which is ask me no questions. This is when we fire silly questions at you. Um, But next time you're on the show, we have to ask you about starring on Broadway in the best little whorehouse goes public. Because uh, I've read about your experience, and it's like fascinating to me that you were in that, basically playing yourself. I was in a ten million dollar Broadway musical in a turquoise Bob Mackie tuxedo, and the show was a big flop. It didn't run for more than two weeks, and it was the greatest experience of my life. It had to have been. All right, let's go to uh, everyone's favorite at-home quiz show. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Are you ready, Jim? Yeah. What's the first joke you ever told on stage? Oh, my God. The first joke I ever told was about uh, flailing my arms like the robot in Lost in Space. (laughs) Okay. Which Which gay stereotype do you most embody? Um... Old married gay. Old married gay. You, you you play that role. Yeah. Have you ever had a straight guy hit on you after one of your shows? Yes, I have. And have you taken and advantage of those opportunities? That I do not. That I plead the Fifth Amendment. <laughs> we all know the answer to that. Um, um, the funniest thing that has happened as a result of doing publicity for this album is that random guys have sent me a picture of their butt on Facebook. Only their butt, not their dick. Only their butt. Hmm. A couple of them. There's a couple of guys who have sent me a picture of their butt. They just assume that you're a top. I don't know what they assume. (laughs) I don't know what. But people have listened to me on podcasts like this and said, oh, he sounds hot. And they've sent me a picture of their butt. 
And so who the hell knows? Are you happy when you receive these? I'm, I'm taken aback. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've never had a straight audience member hit on me, but I have done shows, uh, particularly when I lived in San Diego, and I was a more experienced comedian than most of the other comics that I would do shows with, and they were these very young straight guys who kind of, I don't know, admired me. And the fact that I like had an act and had good jokes and could do crowd work and stuff. And so after the shows, they would like really flirt very heavily with me. But nothing ever came of it, unfortunately. Right. Jim, which famous comedian least deserves his career? Oh, God, you're asking me to dish on somebody. I am. Which famous comedian least deserves his career? And I'm assuming it's a his, not a her. I was going to say, no, I was going to say, um, no, don't make me answer that okay. because that would, I, because I, if I answer that, then I'm likely to work with them as a comedy <laughs> seller. You fair, know what I mean? Fair enough. Uh, we would have accepted Dane Cook or Carlos Mencia. Oh, okay. All right. Shay. I have, I had a woman, I had a woman in mind. I wonder who that can be. Uh, but I, give me a hint. You know, I, I may have to, I may have to like work with this person, and and I'll see them at the comedy cellar when I'm down there. Well, God knows, million, so wanna... millions listen to this podcast, so you're being very safe not to uh, reveal yeah, your answer. I think, it's, I think it's best. I think it's best that I don't, because the thing is, is that the famous comedians make more money than I do. Yes, and so and so if I dish them. Where am I? What to what end? You're biting the hand that I mean. I have feed my you. I have my opinions. Listen, I've never thought I, I can say this and get away with it. I've never thought Jerry Seinfeld was funny. Never. Oh wow. He's not for me. I have never thought. Now listen, he deserves his career, and he has entertained millions of people along the way. But I have never personally found him funny. But that's so. That's what I, I mean. can it's get. That I mean, observational but humor. Observational humor is not my thing, but I do think he he's the best at it. You know, he and Ellen. Yeah, he is. Oh, absolutely. All right, I'm going to give and, you. I'm going to give you an F. Mary Kill. I've never, found, I've never personally found him funny. Have you ever? But I don't think he. Have you ever played huh? the game F. Mary Kill? Uh, yeah. You have to fuck one, marry one, and kill one. And this is a comedian Jim edition. So here are your three choices: oh. Jim Carrey, Jim Belushi, Jim J. Bullock. Um, Jim Belushi, I'd kill Jim Carrey, I'd fuck and Jim J. Bullock, I'd marry. That is not the answer I was expecting. Very interesting. Well, I've met Jim J. Bullock, and I think he's adorable. He's lovely. He's lovely. I think I would rather fuck Jim Belushi, though. I feel like for some reason, I think he'd be good in bed. He'd be like an angry Dom top. Not after the performance he gave in Woody Allen's movie Wonder Wheel. No. There we go. Shade. There's the shade. <laughs> Who is your celebrity crush? My celebrity crush? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I've had a ton of them. A ton of them. I was really, I was really in love with Adam Lambert. Oh, really? On, when he was on American Idol. I thought he was unbelievably incredible. And finally, who's the meanest famous person you ever met? <laughs> um, the, the meanest? Yes. Famous? I've yes. met a lot of mean people that were not famous. <laughs> I've met, you know what I mean? I've met a lot of mean comedians. There's tons of them. Absolutely. Bitter, angry Patrice people. Patrice O'Neill, may he rest in peace, was incredibly mean. I agree. Uh, Jim, we got to leave it really nasty. We got to leave it there. But gay jokes for straight cruisers is now available wherever you download audio. How can people follow you online? They can follow me on Twitter at actual Jim David or on Instagram or my website at comment Jim David. Thank you so much for doing the show, baby. We'll talk to you you again soon. Ryan and Cam, please uh, plug yourselves. You can follow me at Ryan Frosting on Instagram or and Twitter. I don't know why I said it like that.
And I'm at cam.rude. Thanks. And you can now follow me on TikTok for the first time at Adam Sank Official. Oh, Adam Sank Official on TikTok. Adam Sank everywhere else. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you to Jim David. Tune in next week to hear another brand new ass with our special guest, non-binary author and activist Navo Zissin. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Uh, have a great week, bitches. And don't forget to email me your dick pics and butt pics to adam at adamsank.com. Bye.